five, four, three, two, one. Let's talk a little Bible. Let's get into a little Bible study. Real quick Bible study. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Connecting the Dots. Let's let's get into some Connecting the Dots. Let's have a little fun. Let's get some understanding. Let's get some truth of what God's word is really saying. That's why I call. That's what I call fun. When you learn how to rightly divide God's word, it's nothing like rightly dividing. God's word. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and to my night listeners around the world and the United States, the USFA. Hello. 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 This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. All right. The last time I talked to you all, the last time I, uh, the last podcast I made. I was trying to break down the old dispensational traditional way that the uh they looked at dispensations. Remember that word dispensation just means a different administration, a different program, a different way that God worked with people in the Bible at different times. That's all that means. See, God did not deal with the with people the same way, the same. But it still was all for his glory. Now, if you go back to the last podcast, I broke down the seven dispensations. These for the ones, I might have newbies here, but if you are new to this podcast and you've just tuned it in to this podcast, you will have to go back to the previous podcast I done on the seven dispensations. Now, if you are new, let me just reiterate what I mean by the seven dispensations. You have different types of dispensational thinking. Okay? You have different types of dispensational thinking. What do you mean by that, Joe? Let me explain that. Many people, most people read the Bible in a dispensational way. Now, dispensation doesn't mean chopping up or nothing like that, like some people believe it is. But dispensation just means a way that God was using certain people and certain events at certain times, even when it pertained to salvation and what must be done in, in different ways pertaining to obeying God with sacrifices and sin and stuff like that. God dealt with people. He dealt with saints and different type of ways. He dealt with sinners, the unsaved, and different type of ways. And that's what I mean by dispensations. That's all it means. It does not, you don't need to worship the word. Or you don't need to just use the word every time. Because you got to remember, if you are a King James Bible reader, Paul mentioned dispensations, I believe, four times. And they are related to the same thing. Dispensation just mean a program or a certain administration that God is using you for at the time, or you are, or it could be meaning as a servant or in management, things like that. You know, that's what dispensation 
maids and release something like that. It's just something that's been dispensed. Les Feldick used it this way one time. When you go to a doctor and he give you a prescription and you get that prescription filled and you have several uh, prescriptions that you get from the pharmacies. But you know, and the instructions, you cannot, most of the time, you cannot take those pills at the same time, or you have to take them different times. So you have to read the instructions. So each medicine or each tablet or each pill, each pill you take must be taken separately. Okay. You, you cannot take them the same way. You cannot take them at the same time, whatever your ailment or your condition is. Okay. The instructions tells you how many to take, what time to take it, etc., and what will be the effect and what that pill is for or that tablet is for or what that medicine is for. So if you don't follow the instructions, you take them all at one time, majority of the time you may get sick or even die. Or it might cause other problems because you tuck them all together and they're not supposed to go together. They're supposed to be taken separately at three different ways and three different times. Now, they all go the same way, but they must be taken separately at three different times. That's how dispensation is. You can't do everything at one time. You can't put everything in one pot. That's what I'm saying. And mix it all together or it's going to cause a stir. It's just like you can't mix oil and water. The old saying. You see how weird that look, you know, the oil comes floating to the top. That means they're not supposed to be mixed. That's how it is in the Bible when it comes to the law and grace. You cannot mix law and grace. You cannot mix Israel's kingdom programs with the 12 apostles and Jesus' earthly ministry with Paul's program, grace program, with Paul the apostle and Jesus' heavenly ministry. You understand what I'm saying? That's what dispensations mean. I gave you illustrations about one of my favorite illustrations is uh, presidents. You know, they have different administrations. They have different ways they do things when it comes to Republican or Democrat or whatever it is. Either way it go, they do not, they have different ways they run the country. They have a different way they think and the ideology, the way they do things. So dispensation just means dispense. Okay, it just means dispense. You dispense in something this way. You dispense in something in the center. You dispense in something to the right. You dispense in something to the left. They're not made to go together. These seeds go on this side. These seeds go in the middle. And these seeds are for this side. Listen, this might not be a good analogy, but when I'm trying to break down the differences between dispensations, that's all dispensations mean. Dispensation mean. Okay. Now, since you got that, this is for my hearers that listen to my show and wonder why I teach the way I teach. And I said that in my last podcast, there's a reason I teach the way I teach. And that's the reason I have certain teachers on here that teach the way they teach. It's called rightly dividing the word of God. Now, let me digress. Dispensations. This is a basic way to look at dispensational beliefs. Now, the old traditional dispensations you got, they, people gave dispensationalists some names like this. They call dispensation. They got traditional dispensationalists. Then they call some dispensational hyper dispensationalists or ultra dispensational. 
dispensationalists, you know. So it's different ways that people look at dispensationalism. Okay, you have different names. You have the Acts 2 dispensationalists. Now, most traditional past dispensational believers believe in dispensational ways of reading the Bible rightly divided. But the Acts 2 dispensationalists believe that the church started in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. See? That's one way group of dispensational thinkers that they look at, they call, they're called the Acts 2 dispensational believers. They believe that the church is all involved in the church now, the body of Christ. They believe the church started in Acts 2. Then you have the mid-Acts dispensational believers. The mid-Acts dispensational believers believe that the church started and the, at the conversion of Paul in Acts 9. So they kind of in the middle when it comes to the church. Acts 2, and then you have the Acts 9 believers. See, they believe that the church started through the Apostle Paul, the body of Christ. They believe the church started then. Then you have the Acts 28 dispensational belief. They believe the church started at the end of Acts and Acts 28. So my point is you have different types of thinking when it comes to dispensationalism. Just like you have in the church denomination, just like you have in different beliefs in the church, you know, dispensationalism teaching have three ways they look at the Bible pertaining to the book of Acts. They might agree on a lot of things, but they differ on some, especially when it comes to when did the church start. Some believe they started in Acts 2 at the day of Pentecost. Even a lot of Pentecostal and Protestant churches believe that. Then you have the mid-Acts belief that the church started in Acts 9. The majority of church don't look at it that way. They don't believe it started in Acts 9. Then you have the Acts 28 that, you know, you got both sides on that. So that's the way that dispensational theology is broken down. Now you might say, Joe, where do you go? What do you believe? I'm going to get back to that, or where, I, where I go with this when it comes to dispensational sensational belief. But what I want you to get right now, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this for my listeners that's just got saved. Thank God if you have got saved, please leave a comment. You know, if you just got saved, you just gave your life to Christ. Excuse me. Oh, my sinus, please leave a comment. Okay. You know, these are for my new and old listeners. So I can get, and my, 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 Curiosity listeners, because I'm going to always get curiosity listeners, you know, whether they say or not say, they just listening. They might not be followers or part of the audience or anything. This is what you, this is the teaching you're going to get on my show. I'm letting you know this in advance. I don't just teach the traditional Bible way. You know, I teach the Bible the best way I can because I'm still learning as I learn. I teach as I teach, I learn. As I often say, I believe in rightly dividing God's word. And you're going to hear me using that rightly dividing more than you're going to. You're going to hear me use dispensations. Because I don't like to get hung up on dispensations because there's different looks and different ways people look at the Bible when it comes to dispensationalism type of theology. Acts 2, 
mid-Acts X9 and X28 belief when it comes to dispensationalism. Okay, what I want you to focus on, my listeners, when it comes to understanding the Bible, is the differences between prophecy, mystery, and prophecy. And I'm going to explain that. Now, remember, I was telling you about the seven dispensations. Now, what did that format come from? Is that biblical? Does the Bible teach that? Is it correct? Now, let me give you some some answers that's not really right or wrong. When it comes to the belief of the seven dispensations belief, that's the old traditional dispensationalist belief about the Bible. The second question was, is it correct? Oh, I mean, is it in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible in that format. So they broke it down in a certain way. So they're just putting things together and they're putting a guess. And it's really like an opinion, the way they see things. Now, it's not wrong for them to do that. But when they put a name on it, we don't want everybody thinking that's where God put the Bible. But at the same way, they're trying to break it down in a basic way. Back then, for their listeners to understand, see, See, when uh, the old traditional dispensationalists, that's why I don't like saying it a lot, it, te- it tears your tongue up more than just reading the King James Bible. It tears your tongue up. Okay. The past, the people that believe this, and it's probably, I'm sure it's more that I know of, is Clarence Larkin and C.I. Schofield. His Bibles used to have that breakdown in his Bible, the Schofield Bible. Still one of the best Bibles, King James Bibles out there, if you get into the King James Version, I believe. But Clarence Larkin, you know, they are known as traditional dispensationalists. They was Acts 2 believers. They believe the church started in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. So a lot of their teachers, the majority of their teachers is good. It's worth it learning and it's worth it's worth getting into. You can get a lot of studying and a lot of information out of their teaching. You know, they are like the forefathers of dispensationalists but they have teachers beyond them as well. See, this format is not a new thing. This has always been in the Bible but it's really been discovered by certain men, including Darby in the past, you know, about the breakdown of dispensational type of reading of the Bible, you know. So C.I. Schofield, which I read a lot about, and uh, uh, Clarence Larkin, he's a he's like a draftsman, so he does a lot of drawings, and that, man, his drawings are incredible. I had his book, The, uh, the Truth of Dispensational Truths, by Clarence Larkin. You can look that up because he's an outstanding artist because he was a draftsman, so he got a lot of images and stuff when he talks about revelation and different things like that. A lot of good study you can get out of Clarence Larkin, you know, The Truths of Dispensational. Now, the the issue that myself and others have with the teachers of Clarence Larkin, and it's not knocking them or putting them down, is he believed the church started in Acts 2, which I disagree with, you know, when I got into rightly dispensationalism or rightly dividing the word of God. He believes in the Acts 2 uh, church starting position, that Acts 2 started at the day of Pentecost, he believes that. And it's a lot of times that Clarence Larkin and C.I. Schofield, they mixed Paul's teaching with the kingdom teaching at times because they was like, they just knew in part. 
You understand what I'm saying? Remember the post, remember the Apostle Paul talking about he was telling the Corinthian church, it's things you just know in part. What does that mean, Joe? That means you just know things partially. You don't have the full picture. Larkin and Schofield did not have the full picture. And I believe if they was alive today, they would have the full picture. They would go more towards the Acts 9 uh, church starting way, like uh, the modern dispensationalists today. Okay. So Larkin and uh, C.I. Schofield was Acts 2 believers. They knew, they believed that there was a separation. They knew the difference between the Gentiles and the Jews. They also knew there was two programs. They knew Gentiles and Jews was not under the same program. But they got confused when it came to grace. They still got confused when it came to the New and Old Testament. So it's not a lot of talk about the body of Christ. But they understand that there was a difference the way God worked with the Jews compared to the Gentiles. See, they knew that. That's what I mean. They knew in parts. Okay. And they hold on to the Acts 2 position. So when you hold on to the Acts 2 position, what you are doing when you believe the church started then, you're saying the church is the kingdom as well. You see what I'm saying? But you might believe this a New Testament church. Remember, I broke that down in another teaching that how people look at the Bible. They look at the new and they look at the old. They think the 39 books of the, uh, is the Old Testament. They think the 27 is the new. And that's how the majority, I believe, of churches look at the Bible. I still hold that true today. Uh, many people you could talk to, they look at what what is the Old and New Testament? Or they might even know how many books. They would say 39 in the old, 27 in the new. Still today. So the majority of the church still looks at the Bible that way today. Okay. All right. So, and somewhat Larkin and Schofield still looked at the Bible that way as well. Now they, I believe they don't believe, they, they understand that Genesis, the beginning, is not the Old Testament, which I explained in my last podcast. They, they already know that, you know, but some way they, they still put it all together. And a lot of modern day dispensation is still kind of confused about that, you know. So it's a lot of confusion when it comes to the Acts 2 belief and the Acts 28 belief that the church started in Acts 28. Now, let's get to the Acts 9. And I'm going to let you know why I believe in the Acts 9 position when it comes when did the church start. Now, church as in the body of Christ. Remember, you have several churches in the Bible. You have three different churches as mentioned in the Bible, Okay. So this, when you hear the word church, you always got to look at the Bible and see what church is the Bible talking about. Because you have the church in the wilderness, <clears throat> a church in the wilderness. When Israelites was in the wilderness, Stephen talks about before he got stoned, when he was making that long sermon in Acts 7, he was talking about the church in the wilderness. Okay. Then you have the kingdom church. When Jesus told Peter after he made that statement on this rock, I will build my church. That's the Messiah's kingdom church. Then you have the church of the body of Christ that was started 
and ushered in by the Apostle Paul. You understand what I'm saying? So those three di- type of churches, we must understand. We can't put those three together because those three different type of churches. But the wilderness church and the kingdom church, they go hand in hand, but they're still not the same, if you understand what I'm saying. That's why it's very por- important to learn how to rightly divide the Bible, how to rightly divide the Word of God. I hope I'm not going getting too far from you guys and uh, ladies that's listening to me. I'm trying to go as slow as I can, okay? So, when you look at the seven dispensations, the old traditional way that was mainly talked that I know of by Clarence Larkin and C.I. Schofield was the way they looked at the Bible, God's timeline, that is called God has a history and has a timeline when he breaks down events in the Bible. And if you read it, you will understand that it's not the same. Things are moving. It's like a it's like a, a transition. It's like progressive, just like the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not a doctrinal book. It's a progressive transitioning books. It's this transition from the kingdom program to the body of Christ program from Peter to Paul. That's the book of Acts in a nutshell. So you can't make a doctrinal book out of the Acts or you'll be everywhere because it changes. It's, it's transitioning to law, to grace. That's the book of Acts. Okay. That's the seven dispensations. When I was explaining the seven dispensations, from Adam and Eve all the way to the tribulation. This is the way the traditional dispensationists looked at it, which is pretty decent and unique. But I'm going to tell you another way that, you know, what a lot of times they might have missed out on is the way to look at the Bible today, which is more simpler. They looked at it as innocence. That was before the fall of man. Now, you know the term fall of man, that's when Adam ate the fruit and sin came and stuff like that. I'm not going to get too much into that. But they was innocent. They had a fellowship freely with God. They was innocent then. They didn't know nothing about sin. There was no sin. So that was a time of innocent. Now, this is the way the, the traditional dispensation it's a good way to look at it as well. Okay? Then, after the fall of man, Conscious came. What do you mean by conscious? Remember, God told them not to eat of, the, eat of the tree of life. They will have the knowledge of good and evil. So they are conscious. They got a conscious after they conscious became alive. Knowledge became alive when they ate the fruit. They knew the difference between good and evil and right and wrong. And there was no law. Okay, there was no law. This is before the law. But they knew the difference because their conscience was open. And the only ones had that type of ability to do that was the sons of God, the angels, and of course, God. You know, that's why that's how Satan was able to deceive Eve. Deceive Eve when he told her you would be able to come as gods. Knowing the difference between right and wrong. You will have a conscience then. So ever since the fall of man, conscience was entered into the man that knew right from wrong. So they had still had no excuses, even though there was no law of sin. Okay. Then after conscience came human government. Okay. The flood and stuff like that, you know, the human government, then, you know, have the human government, then you have the setup of Nimrod, and then God, he destroyed Babylon and confused that language. You know, it was government programs on the earth, remember, but there was still no law. So that's called human 
government. Now, keep saying there was no law because I want you to just focus on it. There was no law. There was no Mosaic law. There was no Moses. There was no Israel. There was no Jews. Let me say this again. There was no Moses. So there was no Israel. There was no Abraham. There was no Jews. None of that. There was just Gentiles. And that name was not used to lay on down a line because there was a difference that started there. And I'm going to get into that. Okay. So there was human government. All right. Then after human government came the promises, Acts, I mean, Genesis 12 through Abraham, the promises and the covenant God made. God made a covenant with Noah that he would not destroy the earth no more. He, that's why he put the rainbow there. And he made another promise and covenant to uh, uh, Abraham. God has several covenants, you know, with David and all of them. But, you know, this is, I'm just I'm not going to get into all that. He, he made a promise for Abraham. That's called the dispensation of promise to Abraham. Then after the promise, you have the dispensation of law. This is Moses. This is the first time that law was given, but it was only given to Israel. Okay. This is when the law first came on the scene. That's why I was breaking down the law started in Exodus 24. You can go through 19 as well, but Exodus 24, it did not start in Genesis. There was no law. So you can't count uh, Genesis as the old covenant, old testament. There was no covenant. There was no covenant, no testament. So that's why, you know, it's a discrepancy when it comes to the 39 books of the old testament. Okay. All right. Then you have the law. Then after the law, you have grace. Now, this is what they talk. This is what they don't say the body of Christ. They don't really get into that, but they believe this is the grace period. Well, God is not charging nobody with sin or whatever like that. Then you have the dispensation of grace. And the last dispensation is the kingdom program. See? The, the, the reign of the millennium kingdom come to fruition. The tribulation period and the thousand-year millennial reign and stuff like that. See, they believed in all that. They believe in the seven-year seven, seven year tribulation. They, as in Larkin and uh, Schofield and Darby and a lot of other past traditional dispensationalists, you know. So those are the seven dispensations, the way the old school, I like to call them traditional dispensational thinkers, looked at the history of the Bible. Innocence. Conscience. Human government. Promises. Law. Grace and kingdom. That's the way they looked at the seven dispensations. So when you Google seven dispensations, you're going to see that. Going to see that. I advise you to do that, and it'll break down why they call it the seven dispensations. But when it comes to the Bible, that's not where the Bible. That's not the Bible. Does not say that's the way you're supposed to look at it or teach it that way. This is just man's dispensational thinking of looking at it back then. And even today, people would disagree with that if you're not a dispensational type of thinking or you don't understand what dispensational theology means. It might sound like a cult to you or a saint, but it's just plainly breaking down the way God used people in different ways, and it makes more common sense than anything else. It's un, You won't be as confused when you understand that format, even that old traditional format. But let me tell you the format, like the mid-Acts belief. Now, the Acts 9 belief that the church started, and remember I said it was Acts 2 dispensationalist. Then you had the Acts 28 dispensationalist belief. Then you had the mid-Acts. All of them look at three different ways on when the church started, the church as in body of Christ or the church as the kingdom. That's the confusion right there. See, if you believe that the church started in Acts 2, you are talking about the kingdom church. 
The majority of the church believe that the church is the kingdom church. Most predominantly, all denominations predominantly believe that the kingdom church is the church and the body of Christ. They mix them all together. Something I said they're not supposed to do. So they say the kingdom church is the body of Christ and the body of Christ is the kingdom church. That's an Acts 2 belief. If you believe the church started in Acts 2. Now I differ with that. Big time. I stand on a mid Acts position. I believe the church started the beginning and I think a lot of mid-ex uh, teachers mess up on this when they said the uh, the body of Christ started in Acts nine. You have to be very specific when you say that to people that's trying to debunk you anyway. Now, did the body of Christ start in Acts nine? I like to say it wasn't in fruition. It was just an early stage of starting. You understand what I'm saying? So the body of Christ is in the early stage of starting because you have to at least start getting into Acts 13 and on down, you'll get a better understanding of the different way Paul was teaching. Remember I said the book of Acts is not a doctrinal book, so you will not get the full teaching out of there from Paul. You can only get that from his letters, his 13 letters, Romans through Philemon. That gives you a breakdown of what he was doing in in the book of Acts. So the beginning of Acts was the conversion of Paul. I'd like to put it that way. A lot of people probably don't. But this is the way I look at it, was the conversion of Paul. It was the infancy of the starting of the body of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So mid-Acts mean that they believe or we believe that the church started in Acts 9. But I'm going to go a little further with myself. I believe there was an infancy of the body of Christ. It wasn't the body of Christ yet in in fullness. It was just a beginning. Remember, because remember, the church is transitional. You won't get that teaching of the body of Christ in the books of Acts. That's why I said that word. I think we need to be careful, you know, The body of Christ's church started most definitely through the Apostle Paul. But it didn't start exactly right there. God, when he blinded Paul, boom, Paul got up. He was in the body of Christ. That was a beginning of grace. Yes, for the Gentiles. That was beginning. The way I look at it, that was beginning of the Gentiles. That was beginning of God showing his grace to the Gentiles through Paul. See, if you just try to find something about the body of Christ in the book of Acts, you will not find it. That's why I'm going with this. I'm trying to let you know that right now. Don't look at the book of Acts and say, yeah, the body of Christ is explained all in the book of Acts. It's many people and many Calvinists will debunk you because it's not. Even though it is, it's not. Why? Because it's not. It's not explained in the book of Acts. It's only explained in Paul's books, Romans through Philemon. So it's true, but it's not true. In other words, what do you mean by that, Joe? If you want to break down the body of Christ, simply simply saying in the book of Acts 9, mid-Acts believing, you won't find that term body of Christ. Or you will know, even though it's in there, it's not explained. It wasn't meant to be explained in there. The Acts was meant to explain the transition from Peter, kingdom's program, to Paul's grace program. But nevertheless, 
you will see what Paul was doing on his missionary journeys to Corinth and Philippi and Thessalonica and uh, Corinth and stuff like that. They can only be explained through Paul's letters, First and Second Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, and stuff like that. You will get the explanation through his letters, his 13 letters, which is for the body of Christ, the church today. You understand what I'm saying? I hope so. Uh, Romans 2 Philemon is for the body of Christ, the church, the body of Christ. Remember I said there's three churches, the church of the wilderness, the kingdom church, and the body of Christ church. Church, <coughs> church just means assembly. That's all church means, assembly. So you have three different types of assembly, which is the correct way to, uh, to break that down, okay? So that's when the church, I believe, the body of Christ started. It could not have started in Acts Two, because that was under the kingdom program. Acts two is just a full. Acts two is just a continuation of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let me say this again: Acts two is still the kingdom church. On this rock, I shall build my church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is just the four gospels of the kingdom church the earthly ministry of Christ. Acts 2, after the death of Christ, is still a a continuation of the kingdom program when Christ is not there. Remember, Acts 1 started when Christ started ascending to heaven. And it was asked, Lord, is this the time you're going to rebuild your church? You're going to rebuild the kingdom. So they was all about the kingdom. So Acts 2 is still kingdom. That's my point. It's not the beginning of, it's the continuation of the church, but it's not the body of Christ church. It's the kingdom church, the kingdom of heaven church. Okay. I don't have a lot of time to get into that now because of time constraints, but I want you to understand. So from Acts 2 all the way back from the gospels and all the way back from the law and everything was prophecy. A lot of prophecy through the prophets and etc. and stuff like that. They was prophesying what? The coming of the kingdom and the coming of their Messiah. Prophecy means foretold. Okay, so it was all prophecy. Anything before Acts 9 building up was prophecy. It was foretold. It was predicted what was going to happen. I can put it that way. I don't like using prediction, but that was that was going on. So I like to break it down in three ways, not the seven dispensational ways, which is pretty decent, but it's a little error in there. I like to break it down as three simple rates, three simple ways, which I was taught. I understand it: prophecy, mystery, and prophecy. I, I forgot something because first of all, prophecy is something that was foretold that was going to happen in the future, plain and simple. Okay, the body of Christ is a mystery. The body of Christ was a secret. The body of Christ was hidden in God. That's the church that we're in today, if you are saved. See, you cannot be in the kingdom. That was for Israel. The body of Christ is for everyone, Jews and Gentiles. Majority of Gentiles. The majority of the believers in the kingdom programs was Jews with the exception of a few Gentiles, which became proselytes, okay? But prophecy is foretold. Prophecy means something that was foretold. Mystery means that was something that was never told, that was hidden, and nobody knew nothing about that. It was hidden in God, and he only revealed that to Paul. That prophecy, again, is for the future. That's why when you look at the Bible, 
from uh, if you're looking at it in, the, in the law perspective, from the law, from the Mosaic law, the books of the Bible, all the way until you get to Acts, the beginning of Acts 9 is all Old Covenant going into the New Covenant. You understand what I'm saying? The New Testament came into, not fruition, but it started after the death of Jesus. Hebrews talk about the death of the testator. It came after Jesus died. That was the beginning of the New Testament. It hasn't been in fulfillment yet, but that's the beginning of the New Testament. The kingdom program was setting up for that New Testament. That's what the kingdom was about, New Testament. They were still under the old law. But they was getting prepared to uh to set up for that New Testament law. See, they had they would have had to go through the tribulation and everything. The kingdom had to come and whatever and stuff like that. That was the beginning. So that was the beginning of the New Testament, which was postponed. See, that's why the body of Christ can't be the New Testament. We was never the body of Christ. We was never under no testament and was never under no covenant. So when people say the Old and New Testament in the Bible, they say New Testament, they put in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul's letters and everything. And that You cannot do that. You have to rightly divide. That's what dispensations come in. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, listen also closely, is a continuation of the Old Testament. When Jesus was on earth, they were still under the law. They were still doing the law things. They were still thinking, Jew, uh, teaching Jewish ways. See, Jesus just came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. He came to fulfill it. See, it was a lot of man-made traditional things that was added to the God, to the law Jesus rebuked them about. He came to fulfill the law. He was the perfect law. And he came to fulfill it, not to abolish it, to take it away. That happened later on down the line. So when Jesus died and he was resurrected, the law program was continuing the, uh, the New Testament was getting started. It was supposed, it's supposed to have been a setup. And you go through the book of Joel and all of that, that will break that down. In other words, from time past, from Moses' law all the way up, and you could say through Genesis as well, but Genesis wasn't a law, was prophecy, foretelling what's going to happen in the future. Ever since Adam ate that fruit, prophecy began. Let me say it again. When Adam disobeyed God and ate that fruit, the time of conscience Prophecy began. God was setting up sacrifices then. Cain and Abel would everything have to be sacrificed because of sin. All of that was the beginning of Jesus. What the Redeemer is going to do. See, that was just a picture of what God was going to do with Christ. It was not, nothing that God came off the cuff with. He already knew what was going to happen. He's all-knowing. He, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. So he already knew that. So after the disobedience of Adam eating that fruit, you know, that's when conscience came and that's when the prophecy started and they started sacrificing. They were sacrificing even before the law. The sacrifices was a picture of what Jesus Christ is going to do. The ultimate sacrifice is all this is about. Okay. But it's all of this was prophecy. Now when you get to Acts 9, what Paul was taught by Jesus Christ was never prophesied. It was never foretold. It's called a mystery. Mystery means secret. It was hidden. It's called hidden wisdom as well. See? So that's why I say prophecy, mystery, and prophecy. Prophecy foretold. The church, the body of Christ was a mystery. It was never told. It was never foretold. Nobody in the past knew about the church. Nobody in the past knew about the body of Christ. Nobody in the past 
could not comprehend the true meaning of God's grace until it was revealed by Jesus Christ to this one man, the Apostle Paul. And he wrote the books of Romans through Philemon. Okay? You won't get all this in the book of Acts, even though it's a transitional book. You're only getting, you only will get the real deepness on the teachings of Paul, okay, through his 13 letters. Now, when it comes to Hebrews through Revelation, that's back to prophecy. That's prophecy. Hebrews through Revelation is not the church today. It's not the body of Christ. It's back to the kingdom program, the setup of the New Testament, the new covenant. They get to prepare what they must do in the tribulation because they still got to go to that tribulation. The Antichrist still got to come through. So Hebrews through Revelation is kingdom. It's not the body of Christ. The teachings in those letters, many people believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't get into that. But Hebrews through Revelation, whether Hebrews is taught by Paul or not, it's not a teaching for the body of Christ. It's a Jewish book. James is a Jewish book. First and second, Peter is a Jewish book. First and second, third, in the book of Revelation, they are Jewish teachings. Okay? It's different. That's why it's different from the Apostle Paul teachings. Romans through Philemon. You, you get what I'm going. You have the Old Testament all the way up to Acts 9. From the law of Moses, Exodus 24, all the way to Acts 9, the beginning, the emphasis of the grace period. It was going into transition, the grace period. See, the law was no more, but it didn't just happen overnight. It just did not happen overnight. That's my point. It was a transition. It was a growth it was a resistance. They didn't understand it because they used to, the Jews didn't understand that. They they couldn't comprehend the teachings of Paul. Paul Peter talked about that in one of his letters. I forgot first or second. That some of the things Paul talks about is hard to understand. Why would Peter say that if it was the same that he teach? Why would he say his teachings are hard to understand if it was the same? Why? Because it was not the same. Paul taught a different gospel than Peter. That's why Paul called it my gospel. This is the gospel Jesus Christ gave to Paul for the Gentiles. Just say for the world. There was no more Jews and Gentiles in the body of Christ. No more Jews and Gentiles. Everybody was one. See? That's why Peter said that. It's hard to understand, but his words are still scripture. Book of Galatians as is another example where Paul rebuked them. He even rebuked Peter. The breaking of the breaking of bread, the fellowship. When they made fellowship, they shake they shook hands. Peter, James, and John went their way to the Jews. They wrote the books of James. They wrote the book of First and Second Peter and John. You know what? Excuse me, John done. Paul wrote his letters. They separated. They shook hands. They knew it was a change. It was dying out. They knew the law, the kingdom program was dying out. It was putting, it was postponed. You can go to Romans 11 and get that breakdown, but it was dying out. Peter already knew that. Even he threw a hint when he said, you know, follow things of Paul. I'm just saying it in a paraphrased way. He knew the kingdom program was going away. He was finna die. And he told them to follow the teachings of Paul. I think Peter Paul both got murdered close to the same time. I don't know. You know, you know, go to different teachers like Les Feldick and Cersei and all though they know more and Richard Jordan. I'm still learning. But the basics that I know is that will help my listeners. They can get further, deeper teachings out of some of these people I just mentioned is 
that. <clears throat> there was a transitioning period and Peter knew this, so he's like handing the mantle over to Paul because there was no more law, no more. It was under grace now. You understand what I'm saying? So from now on, and even to today, we're under the grace period, not the kingdom period. We're not the kingdom church. We're not here to build God's kingdom. We're here for the body of Christ, not a kingdom. See? Not a kingdom. Yeah, Paul mentioned the kingdom, but you got to remember, there's a kingdom in the heavenly places as well. There's a kingdom that's also, see, the kingdom of heaven is still in heaven. When a new Jerusalem come down, it's coming from heaven. But right now, it's in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? So don't get confused with the kingdom because Paul mentioned kingdom. He's talking about the same earthly kingdom. Now, there's a kingdom in heaven, and there's going to be no kingdom on earth. So don't get confused with the kingdoms. It's more than one kingdom. Earthly and heavenly kingdoms. You understand what I'm saying? So what I want you to understand, you don't have to look at... Uh, the old traditional dispensational way of the seven dispensations, which is innocence, conscience, human government, promises, law, grace, and kingdom. Those are seven traditional dispensations. It's a decent way to look at it. You can learn a lot through that. But the best way to look at it is prophecy, mystery, and prophecy. Prophecy is the old testament, old law, the kingdom, church, all that together. That's prophecy. Mystery is the body of Christ, the church of today, under the teachings of the Apostle Paul. The kingdom church, you have 12 apostles. The body of Christ, you have one apostle. Let me say that again. Under the kingdom program, Jesus' earthly ministry, you have the 12 disciples who became the 12 apostles after Jesus died. He was resurrected. Under Paul's program, there's only one apostle, but he's the number one apostle. But you had other ones. I believe Barnabas, they was apostles too. But the main apostles, were, when Paul talks about apostles and prophets, there were still apostles and prophets. And Paul's, he's not talking about Peter now, unless he's specifically saying that it was other apostles besides Peter now. There was apostles of, under grace. The same was Paul. But Paul was the main teacher. He was the father of the apostles under the dispensation of grace. Peter Nell's program was fading out, the kingdom program. So they are not our apostles. Peter is not the apostle for today. Paul is the apostle for the church today. No, you don't worship Paul. You don't do none of that. My point is Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles and we must for our duties and for our walk today is under the 13 letters of the Apostle Paul. Okay? Prophecy, mystery, prophecy. Prophecy, the law. Mystery, grace. Prophecy, Hebrews to Revelation is going back to the law, New Covenant, New Testament. Law in their hearts. Okay? Law in their hearts. Prophecy, mystery, and prophecy. That's why I said that's a more simple and better way to look at the Bible. You teach any other gospel when it comes to the Old Testament and anything before that, you're teaching prophecy. You're teaching kingdom. You're not teaching the gospel for the church today. If you teach anything from Hebrews to Revelation that's going to put it for the church today, you're out of order then. You're dispensationally incorrect because that's for the Jews. Hebrews self-explanatory. What, what's the name of the book? Hebrews. 
Unless you know it's talking to Hebrews, it's talking to Jews. James opens up saying to the 12 tribes. It's talking to who? It's talking to the Jews. Peter opens up. He's talking about the different ones in Cappadocia, the same, some of the same churches that was named in Acts 2 at the day of Pentecost. Those were Jews, Israel, getting prepared to go through the tribulation. When Jesus said, I'll follow what y'all in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's a Jewish program. That's a kingdom program. Give us this day our daily bread. They would need bread in those days. They would need those daily breaths because a lot of persecution is going to, supposed to have happened and will be going on. That's why he said, give us this day our daily bread. Thy kingdom come. What kingdom? The kingdom of heaven, church, not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is going to get caught up in a rapture and they're going to be in the heavenly places. Okay, that's what I'm going to leave you with there. Prophecy, mystery, prophecy is the way to look at the Bible. It's more simpler and uh, more basic than the seven dispensations. That's all I have to say. I'm not saying they're wrong, but there's a few mistakes, but it's a good breakdown of how the dispensation we understand the timeline and history of God's plan for the world today. God bless you. This is Joseph Brownlee, body uh, I'm going to say body of Christ, real talk. I got to stop doing that. Connecting the dots. Body of Christ, real talk is my other program. You know, while I talk about world events and what's going on around the world, what's politically whether it's entertainment, whether it's whatever. I deal with a lot of things on Body of Christ Real Talk. Connected Dots is straight out Bible study, straight out Bible teaching. That's the difference. But I do both of them interchangeably, and I do Body of Christ a little bit more. So I, that's why I, I get an error calling this your Body of Christ. But it's okay. But it's not. At the same time, this is connecting the dots. Same host. Same teacher, Joseph Brownlee, connecting the dots. I hope you got something out of this teaching. God bless you. Peace out. Love y'all. Bye-bye.